Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Hurley from Sweetheart Pop. And on this week's episode of the Music Rookie Podcast, I spoke with the music editor for LA Weekly, Brett Callwood. Brett's worked for a slew of alt-weeklies all across the country, including Denver's Westward, Detroit's The Metro, SF Weekly, and you'll soon see his byline in the relaunch of The Village Voice. Brett was kind enough to walk me through his process for determining coverage each week at LA Weekly. Plus, we talk about the LA music scene, if genres even matter anymore, and Brett's thoughts on the future of music journalism. So let's get started. Thank you for sitting down with me and taking some time. I did a little bit of research on you this afternoon. I was quite surprised to see you have an overwhelming Uh-oh. Wikipedia page. <laughs> Sometimes I go to do some research on who I'm going to have on the show and I kind of have to search, you know, I kind of have to like look for some. There's a funny things. story. Go ahead. So that Wikipedia page, I'm mildly embarrassed. It's, it's a funny thing. When I was still in London, I had a friend, a woman called Alison, who was running a fanzine, a rock and roll fanzine. It was called, it was colorfully called Bubblegum Slut. And uh, it was it was all about local rock and roll. And and anyway, we both said, wouldn't it be fun to have a Wikipedia page? So we did each other's Wikipedia page. But then over time, I moved here and we lost contact. And then my Wikipedia page that she had done became very out of date. And I was left with no choice. You can't take them down. Once they're up, you can't take them down. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very, very difficult. So, so they kind of protect that freedom of speech thing. So so somebody else had done my Wikipedia page. But I, what I can do is edit it. So it's kind of embarrassing because I'm kind of self-editing my own Wikipedia now rather than just let it be wrong all the time. And I wish I could take it down, but it's very difficult. <laughs> That's why it's there. Great information. And it made me realize we have a lot of intersections in our lives. And a side note, I've always wanted a Wikipedia page, but you can't make your own <laughs> and no one would make one for me. So, and I'm not going to like pay somebody to make a Wikipedia page. So it's not that important. But anyway, you wrote a book about garage rock and, and this is not going to be, this is your life. This is just going to be a little, little snippets to like show you where we kind of connect because you lived in Detroit and wrote a, a book about garage rock. So you're probably familiar with like the Memphis garage rock scene. Yeah. So that's where I live. Memphis, you know, very deep into that. know a lot of those players and Goner Records and Goner Fest. And then you moved to uh, Colorado and I actually lived in Broomfield for two years. So, and I, I looked back at all of the, you know, different things that you've written about and it's really like heavy on the rock side, you know, metal and rock and right. Now, you know, you're at LA Weekly, you're the music editor at LA Weekly. And that's what I mostly want to talk Mm -hmm. about because obviously all weeklies have changed a lot over the years and, you know, there's a lot going on with that. But, but now I assume that you've had to like spread out your genre interests to cover a lot more areas of music than not just focusing on those things that you're an expert in. And I think that's interesting because that's kind of one of the reasons why I moved into Americana music is because you can grow older more gracefully in Americana, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a lot of truth in that. Right? Yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, I think most writers of or writers about music start doing it because they love what they love and, and, and they're passionate about what they're passionate about. And that's completely 
normal and natural and healthy, I think. And as you get, as you, your career develops, and then you go, in my case, from purely writing to writing and editing, you, 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 of course you have to, I mean, I've written for alternative weeklies in three cities in the United States since moving here from England. And you, part of the responsibility not just the role, but the responsibility is make sure you're covering as much as possible, as diverse a range of music. So there's so much going on in, in all of the cities that I've lived in. And, and of course, particularly LA, it's so huge that the, the, the job is to make sure that everybody feels welcome from, you know, every style of music, but also culturally and, and gender and sexuality, make sure nobody feels that this isn't the place for them. And that's kind of, that's kind of the, the job, I think, or it's a huge part of the job. And also, what I learned as well was that if just because a kind of music isn't my favorite kind of music, that doesn't mean that I'm not fascinated to interview people involved in it. Sometimes my favorite interviews have been people that personally, I don't care for their music at all, but they're still fascinating people to speak to. I think that's part of the growing process is you realize it's not, well, it's not all about me, you know, it's certainly not all about me. And then the, the further branch of that is that as an editor in healthier times, when, when there isn't a pandemic hit. And even before that, the industry we all know has been struggling a little bit for a while. In healthier times, we have a, a freelance base. We have a, a, a network of freelancers that we use regularly. That's, that's our knowledge base. So we don't, nobody knows everything. I think music editors uh, need to know a lot, but they still can't know everything. So it's important that we have writers from different, that cover all bases. Right. But yeah, yeah I, I love the job because I love music. Right. And I feel that way a little bit when I delve into more of the country stuff, because I didn't really grow up listening to country. I'm from Memphis and a lot of people get that confused. Nashville's the country city and, and Memphis is the sole stack city. And, you know, and when I go to Nashville, sometimes I'll meet people and they'll expect me to know every single thing about country music because I represent a country client. And I'm just like, no, I just have an ear for, you know, what I think is good. And I can write about any type of music and I know the outlets that I need to pitch it to. So, you know, I don't need to know the background of Merle Haggard. So, and that comes from just the a general knowledge of music. And you, you it's funny because the older that you get, the more you realize that, you know, without even having tried to know it, right. <laughs> you're like, right. you pick up the background on the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and you know, all these stories because you've seen movies and you've had conversations and, and, and newer people come up that, you know, someone will say, Oh, they're just a ripoff of this other band. That's an older band. And then you go back and listen to that older band. And you're like, you're right. They are a ripoff of that band. Right. Country in Americana has been fascinating, a fascinating part of the, the road as well for me. I mean, one of the one of the expressions, I'm sure you've heard it, is that people will say, I like all kinds of music except country and rap. That people yes. will say that. And I always cringe at that because I think what, what they mean a lot of the time is I like everything apart from the country and rap, which is prevalent on the radio right now. Yes. And, and we we know that both of those styles of music, you only have to scratch the surface and you can find some really, really fascinating things. Country has really suffered, I think, in, in cities like LA because there's a, a preconceived notion of what a country musician or a country fan is even. And it's going to have a lot to do with Confederate flags and that kind of nonsense. You know better than me, I'm sure that that's like just a subset of the amazing stuff that goes on. So I, I've, I've definitely learned a lot through through our country writers and now I'm pretty confident writing 
a good country piece. I, I, I like the music a lot. You know, there's no specific genre that is one thing. There are subsets of right. every single genre, you know, and pretty much you can find something you like in every genre and different things rise to the top. And that's the kind of the stuff that kind of sounds the same, you know? And so that's why people get the idea that, oh, this is what exactly. this is because it's the yeah, most exactly, popular yeah. thing. But there's, I mean, there's just tons and tons and, and it, it gets confusing sometimes because um, especially now that we have a lot of people saying, oh, we live in a genreless world. There's no real music genres anymore, which, you know, I understand because I work in records that they kind of delve into five different genres. You know, maybe they're a little Americana, a little folk, a little indie rock, a little electronic. And it makes it more difficult for me <laughs> because I'm trying to like package it and sell it. And if you can't really get that short description that really pulls it all together quickly so that you pitch someone like yourself and you can read a couple lines and be like, this sounds interesting. I'm going to listen. But if it's just right. like country rocker from Nashville releases new song, you know, it's, snappy, like, it's snappy. Yeah. <laughs> Both of our industries are guilty of needing that snappiness. It, it's, it's funny because I, the genres are definitely still there, but what's what's interesting when I, a couple of years ago when I went to Coachella and I was probably the oldest guy there by a decade, <laughs> but when I went to Coachella, I, what I noticed was that I mean the genres are definitely still there, but the young festival goers just don't seem to care about them. Like it's that and that I, I like. I like the fact that the people that I saw going crazy for, for example, Greater Van Fleet, mm. who I've been reading. The only reason I, I keep reading, the only reason Greta Van Fleet are doing great is because of old boomers that need to see Zeppelin again and blah, blah, blah. But at Coachella, Greta Van Fleet, the tent was packed to sweat. And it was all the same people that were watching Beyonce and Tyler, the creator and, and stuff. So I like that. I like the fact that when it's definitely when I was a kid, you had your indie kids and your punks and your metal kids and your ravers and right. your hip hop heads. And, and now that's that's just that's not there. The musical genres are still there, but the kids are mingled. And I, I think that's healthy. I like that. Yeah. I also think though, at those types of festivals like Bonnaroo and Coachella and ACL, it's kind of just the thing to do to go see everything. You know what I mean? Like. Sure, for sure. But the people knew the words. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I knew okay. the I words. Okay. Yeah. It I mean, was, I it was, it was impressive. I, I went to Bonnaroo like, I went one time in 2011, did it once, and I was like, okay, I'm done. And yeah, I got to see so many bands that I probably would have never checked out, except that they were playing this massive festival, and it was fun just to like hop around. And in 2019, I went to ACL, and I had to choose between Tom York and Guns N' Roses. They were playing opposite each other. And I was just like, I mean, I'm more of a Tom York fan, but when are you going to get a chance to see Guns N' Roses? So back to Alt Weeklies. Tell me all the ones that you worked at. Okay, so in Detroit, it's the Metro Times. Okay. And then, and I was the music editor there. When I moved to Colorado, it was for a, a, a different job. I was the editor of a glossy magazine, but I was freelancing for Westward regularly and continued to after I moved to LA for a long time until I got the music editor job here. So... So I worked at the Metro Times. I freelanced at the Denver Westward regularly. And then I worked at LA Weekly. And then I freelanced since moving here for a bunch of papers, uh, a bunch of old weeklies. The OC Weekly before that died. 
sadly. SF Weekly, Tucson Weekly, and is that it? No, I've uh, and now since our owners purchased the Village Voice, I'm often appearing in that as well. Oh yeah, the Village the, Voice, the, re- the revitalized Village Voice, yeah. That's some big news. So, did you find that all of these alt weeklies were run the same way and had the same editorial process, or was it kind of different at each one? I think it's become the same. When I went to Colorado, the Denver Westward was essentially being run as a a daily newspaper in terms of there was fresh copy every day. And then they kind of cherry picked the best content for the print edition each week. It ends up really being in the modern world, a flyer for the for the website. Everything's online. Metro Times was a little behind the curve on that when I was there. I think it was we were put up we would put up occasional blogs, but it wasn't like every day there'd be fresh content like strong daily newspaper content but i think nowadays it is since i left detroit it's pretty much the same model we're all trying to uh, make sure that we're covering local news progressive slant for sure everywhere which I'm, I'm pleased about we've kept that at the la weekly and just make sure we're covering as much as possible like i said earlier and that's true everywhere that's true everywhere right. so i just wanted to get that just want to make sure that you know we're kind of talking about alt weeklies in general right Mm-hmm. And so obviously you're going to cover in LA tons and tons of different types of music, tons of different styles. I'm sure you have a lot of different scenes in LA. What are some of the biggest scenes in LA right now? I mean, you can't look a lot further than hip hop. It's yeah. huge everywhere, but there's still, uh, you know, the West Coast scene is still enormous and people like Kendrick and stuff. It's just uh, healthy and vibrant and buzzing. Mm-hmm. and we've got to keep covering that and of course electronic music those two aren't going anywhere in any city that they're only going to keep growing so it's really important that we make sure uh we continue to cover hip-hop and, and electronic music in depth rock music as much as we keep being told it's dead will never really die so whether we're talking about indie or punk or whatever the different branches of that it's it, it i mean is it there like be, a pop uh, in LA right now Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't go anywhere. There's, there's always the legacy bands, which mm-hmm. I, I, nearly all of them are still going. But and then there's so many young bands and they, they seem to be more and more inclusive, too. There's, there's so many labels. There's, there are labels that purely focus on queer punk. Like, you know, that, that's how they identify the, their genre. And, and that started a long time ago, with Pansy Division and stuff. But it seems to be growing and growing and, and that's like, that's getting bigger and bigger. So yeah, but punk and of all its different styles, rock and roll of all its different styles isn't going anywhere, but you can't, you really can't look any further than hip hop and electronic R and B, of course, as well. And, and pop and yeah, that's just so much. And you guys have like a small Americana scene there. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah. And when, when you're familiar with Johnny Whiteside, right? Yes. You know, Johnny? Yeah, when I was still able to have a freelance nest for, for a while and a budget, Johnny was covering that in depth, and he he introduced me to a whole bunch of stuff. No, there's, I, don't, I think a city like LA or New York or so, there's there's everything because there's such a diverse array of people. You know, we have got Latin music and all all this cool stuff. But for sure, there's an Americana scene, there's a country scene, bluegrass. It's all going on here. Right Just got to find it. And so how do you decide what you're going to cover? 
is it the story angle? Is it the amount of people you think are going to read the story? Are you looking very closely at analytics? I know that for LA Weekly and a lot of alt weeklies, it's got to tie in with a show, you know, most of the time, unless it's a bigger overall, like a cover story or something like that, you know, you need to tie it in with the show. But what are you looking for when you decide to cover an artist? Yeah. Yeah, all that. I mean, no, apart from analytics, I don't look. I don't look closely at analytics. I think, I think if we're doing our job in every other area, the analytics, and I might be wrong on this. Somebody might slap my wrist on this, but I, I think the analytics will take care of themselves if you're doing everything else. So you're making sure that you have every genre covered, and you're making sure that you have, you know, um, you're, you're covering. Basically, I, when I look at my at the front page of the LA Weekly and I look at the music section. I see, I get alarm bells if there's, you know, if it's all white, you don't want all white men for sure. So I want to look at that and see diversity. So that's, I mean, that's, I think if we're covering diversity in genre, culture, gender, everything else, the analytics will take care of themselves because people will, know, like I said earlier, they'll, they'll feel welcome. So I don't look too much at that. Like you said, I like a feature to correspond with an event. It used to be a show. The last year that yeah. hasn't been the case. Yeah. It's been, so we've tried to tie it into record releases single you know whatever whatever we can some kind of event but i like it to be an event and so it doesn't just like why why are we doing this now there has to do, there, there has to be a reason why we're doing it now besides that it's just yeah like it's just got to be a story that piques the interest and and yeah i mean really that's it there's no i, I can't think of a rhyme or reason besides this is I, I i in my head i have a little bit of a rotation you know it was hip-hop we make sure we do some, we haven't had this in for a while. We haven't had that genre in for a while. So let's make sure. So in my head, there's, but it's not hard and fast. It's not, you know, because there might be an event that would put that out of sync. So there's no, there's no hard and fast rotation, but in my head, there's a loose rotation. We make sure we cover everything. And then besides that, once, if I'm looking for that week, a hip hop story or a rock and roll story or a electronic music story or whatever, I'll look for the, for the press release that piques the interest. Mm -hmm. I like titles. I think press press releases start with a really good title, right? So, we, I, I I know I know most PRs understand that most journalists in a day we're getting three, four, five hundred emails. Yeah. It's very very hard to read them all in depth. We just can't. You just can't. So those those titles have to hook you in, and and there's really good ones. Well, I've always been torn on that myself from like writing kind of a clickbaity headline that I think will like make somebody look at the press release versus writing a subject line that tells you exactly what it is so that, right. you know, I'm not. Oh, I didn't say clickbait. No, it has to be as much information as possible in a short space of time. It's, this is, if you looked on my Wikipedia, you see that for a little while I did advertising copy. And yeah. what I learned from that was how to get a lot of info in a short manner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like the, the title doesn't have to be, clickbaity in that in a in a tacky way but f mm. you want to get as much information on there as possible because we're just we're just scrolling through sometimes right, right. and do you take pitches from artists correct it's okay if an artist just emails you and says this is going on yeah i mean i, I i'm not firstly i take pitches from whoever gets whoever right. has the story yeah right. so they should put in their headline was if they just want to pitch you something what's the best what's the best headline the best subject line uh, so yeah that's a good question so to, to, to distill it down 
for LA Weekly, I'm often looking at where they're from. I want to know where the where the artist is from, style mm-hmm. of music, name, and what the what the event is, what the what the what the press release is. So if it's like LA artist XXX is dropping album or is performing show, blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean, you just want to get it all in there quick. Right. that's the thing and that's why I like talking to people about this is because every editor is kind of different and for more like features at different magazines a lot of editors want you just to write the headline you know what's the headline right. so then, and then they know if I click on this then other people will click on this and want to read it right so you're always kind of like right. in do I write the headline or do I write this, you know, just the subject of what, what it is. And for not weekly, I assume you guys are way more into events and, you know, things with dates versus a glossy mag or whatever, where it can be kind of more evergreen. So that's good information. This is another thing that, you know, I go back and forth with, with a lot of different editors and how they manage things. Like I did an interview with American Songwriter and they talked a lot about how they were looking more and more about, at analytics based on what they were going to cover. And they are starting more to look at like an artist's social media following, right? And so, and like, I think even Rolling Stone, one of the editors there has in his, his signature, we don't cover people with less than 10,000 Facebook um, fans. Right. And so, yeah. And, and I think that that's also just like kind of a brush off where if they do learn about something through their own taste or whatever, I've definitely seen people covered on there that are not as big, but it's something that like the editor found or maybe was passed on by someone that they know or whatever, but it, I think it's, it's to keep them from being constantly pitched a bunch of smaller artists that they are never going to cover. So I guess the question right. is, are you looking at people's fan bases and maybe you're like, this is, you know, this is kind of interesting. It's okay. But look, they've got a hundred thousand Facebook fans. We should cover this because it's going to draw a lot of eyeballs to our site. Sure. I mean, no, no, no. I, I think that approach is probably fair for Rolling Stone. That's probably a magazine of that stature, which is covering people. That makes sense to me. To me, that wouldn't make sense for LA Weekly or any alt weekly, because again, I think part of the responsibility is we're saying this is what's going on here. And this is something you should check out. Not necessarily, this is something that you're already checking out or lots of people already are. This is something that you should because this is cool. Mm-hmm. And we would hope that one day we can help these people get to the stature where Rolling Stone would pay attention to them. Right. I think, I think not that it's a leg up. I don't think it's, a, it's, not a, it's not a matter of it being a leg up and we're like, oh, we're helping you. It's more that the, the, the job of Not Weekly is to shine lights on what's going on in the city, right? I, th- I think. And so the music section of that is shining lights on things that are going on that people don't necessarily know about already. But yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely a realistic, if not cynical side to it where we, we've got we've to get eyes on the paper. And it helps, it helps the smaller bands that we're shining a light on if there are already eyes on the paper. So, so occasionally, for sure, it's important to make sure we put people in that have have a lot of fans but it's certainly not the be all and end all yeah you but yeah we have to balance it yeah i would never not i would never not i would never do that i would never do the rolling stone thing but again i think it's appropriate for them because i I want the smaller bands particularly the la bands for the city i'm covering to come to me i want them to feel they can do that 
Ann Powers wrote a, just a Facebook post this week about the hot take pieces and covering albums like the day that they come out and just covering anyone with a big name because it like draws eyeballs to your writing, but it doesn't really leave any time for you to digest what they've done because, you know, the album comes out at midnight and you've got to have a review written by the next day to get it out. And then next week, nobody cares. And it doesn't leave a lot of room to cover smaller artists that are trying to like break through that bubble of 30 Drake stories and 25 Taylor Swift stories. But those are the kind of articles that get people to come to the site and, you know, music magazines and alt weeklies, they're in the business to make money and to sell advertising. And you sell advertising based on the analytics of the numbers that people that read your site. So it's a balancing act for sure. And more and more, I've noticed that editors aren't as interested in breaking new music as they are in keeping their numbers really high. So it's great that you are interested in knowing about younger, more obscure music and want to shine a light on it. So I think a lot of music editors are interested in doing it but for every music editor there's a especially at not necessarily alt weeklies but especially at dailies and bigger magazines with bigger budgets for every music editor there's a features editor and then an editor-in-chief or a managing editor there's a chain of people and it's all being fed down that these are certain things you have to do I've, I've worked for editors that would like to cover more new music but are being basically told point blank that they can't and and so that's it Everyone's just trying to survive. The industry is yeah. in a you know precarious position. And right now, especially LA Weekly's advertisers were all the places that were closed for the past right. year. Yeah. So it, it, the fact that we're still here, I think is, I'm incredibly proud that the owners found ways and, you know, it's difficult to criticize any decisions that come down from the top if it's basically to keep the doors open, you know? Right. No, I totally understand that. And then my question to you is, where do you see the future of this? Have you thought about where you think things are going in terms of music journalism? Yeah, I've thought about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to be frank, to be brutal, I really don't know. I, I can't give up on Alt Weeklies yet. Like I, I can't and won't. Like if that decision might ultimately be taken out of my hands. I, I just love the service that all weeklies provide. And I still think it's something that you don't get anywhere else. And that's even in taking into account the fact that, you know, budgets have been down. So there's less staff and, you know, some might say it's not what it once was when there were all 80 pages and there was three news writers at each alt weekly and, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it, it's not that anymore, but I think at some point, people will and it might not even be a I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a print versus online thing because like I say all the alt weeklies have busy websites and yet it still seems to be the case this is what it always confuses me that you know online is the future but every time an alt weekly like for example in Seattle says that we're going to close down the print and go online only that's that's covered nationally as a death knell for that publication Mm-hmm. And if it, it, that seems to be a conflict, it's, it's a strange thing. We think publications are going online because that's the future. And yet 
everybody else is saying, well, that means you're dead then if you're only online. It's, it's, a strange, it's a strange thing. So what the future holds, I don't know. I think that if, if we're able to keep producing quality work and, and, and keep covering the things that people have always been interested in, which, you know, with things that aren't necessarily being covered elsewhere, that there'll, be, there'll always be a readership and, and they'll return. If, yeah, if we just keep doing what we're doing, I think, I think it'll always be there. I hope. <laughs> I mean, might be there's, just being... there's, there's just something kind of visceral about you know going to the coffee shop and grabbing the alt weekly and opening it up on the table and like drinking your coffee right. or your beer or whatever and it's not the same experience like scrolling on an ipad you know you can used to like spread right. out and look at everything so I, I would hate for that to to go away but everything just seems to be going to this point where all the money's being pulled into one direction and I don't know how we break out of that. So yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I guess we'll I find out. I was hoping you could solve it for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not the right guy for that. I, I just no, I just keep doing what I'm doing and, and uh, maybe I'm just hopelessly naive, but I don't know. Yeah. Like I say, I'm just not ready to give up yet. That, might, that day might come. I hope, I hope not too soon. All right. Well, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Thank you so much for taking the time. I thought, I think that you gave us some some great information and yeah, thanks a lot. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. That was fun. And there you have it. Thanks again to Brett for taking the time to chat with me this week. And thank you for listening to the show. If you're interested in more insider information, just like this, be sure to check out our weekly newsletter. You can sign up on sweetheartpub.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the next one comes out. It's going to be Wednesday. If you've got a specific question, feel free to tweet me or shoot me an email. I am never hard to find. Now, go do something useful.